everyone and welcome to a brand new podcast called The Cash Conversation, brought to you by Cabba for people who want to get thrifty with their personal finances. I'm your host, Gabriel Nussbaum, and today I'm joined by two guests. Firstly, we've got Paul Guess. Hiya. He is a mental well-being expert at Cabba, the occupational charity for chartered accountants, and sat ne- right next to him is award-winning financial journalist, Iona Bain. Hello. We will be discussing all things savings today, guys. Anything from ISAs, interest rates, bonds, you name it, we'll discuss it. And hopefully this is gonna help you guys make your money work harder for you. So whether you're looking to start saving or just looking for some insider tips, this episode is gonna be for you. So the hottest news topic at the moment that everyone is talking about when it comes to finance is interest rates, inflation. It feels like those numbers keep going up and up and up. So we've got at the moment 5.25% interest rates from the Bank of England. When this episode comes out, who knows, they might even be higher than that. Inflation, I know it's coming down, but it's still just below 7%, which is pretty crazy. So I think the first question I'm gonna come to you, Iona, Mm -hmm. and ask you a little bit, uh, and ask you if you could explain a little bit to the listeners, what's going on with these interest rates and why does this matter that and why does this matter to them? Well, the Bank of England sets the base rate or the bank rate as it's sometimes known. And I call it the big chief of interest rates because it affects the cost of borrowing, but also the reward that you get for saving. So it's a pretty big deal. And in recent times, relatively recent times, the base rate has been below 1%. It actually went to a record low during the pandemic. But then over the past year or so, it has rocketed up to over 5%, as you were saying just then. And that has a huge knock-on effect for anyone who has a mortgage. So if they are rolling off their fixed rate mortgage this year, then they are suddenly going to find that they're paying you know, upwards of 4 5 or 6%. And if you are a saver, on the flip side, you should be getting a better deal on your savings. Emphasis on the word should, because what we're finding is that the banks aren't quite as quick to pass on the rise in the interest rates to savers as they are to borrowers. But nonetheless, it just goes to show what a double-edged sword this rising base rate can be. It's bad news for borrowers, but good news for savers. I think I want to just double down on that part about savers. I mean, this episode is all about savings, so that's probably a good place to start. What do these numbers actually mean for savers? So we've thrown around numbers, 5%, 5 5.25%, 6% inflation rate. Could you dive a little bit more focusing on savers? What does this mean for them? What should they be doing with their money? Okay, so to break it down and to put it at its simplest level, um, you earn an interest rate on your savings. And this is really a reward for what I think is doing the right thing and saving money. And as I said before, people have not been getting a very big reward for saving in recent times because the base rate has been so low. But now that it's higher, banks should be passing that on to savers. They need to reel in people's money to lend that out to borrowers. Um, And they make money on the margin between what they will lend out to borrowers and what they have to pay out to savers. And they'll try to keep that margin as big as possible, which is one reason why savings rates aren't as great as they could be. But yeah, you should be earning an annual equivalent rate on your savings. And if the base rate is above 5% at the moment, um, then that means you shouldn't have to put up with 
an interest rate of below 1% on your savings. And yet, that is far too often the case for people because they just forget that they've got money in the bank and they forget that actually that money could be working a lot harder for them. It's worth mentioning that, of course, the savings rate that you get is not keeping up with inflation, which, as you said before, is still very high. So if your interest rate on your savings is below inflation rate, in real terms, you're losing money. Does that mean you shouldn't save money? No. I think of saving as an act of self-care because lots of people see it as sacrifice, but actually it's your money, it's just put on one side for you to use in the future to create more choices and options. And that's why I love saving. Great point. Just because inflation is so high doesn't mean you should be not, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be looking to get that interest rate as high as possible. Even if it's below, it's still working as hard as possible for you. So I think that was a really important line. Paul, I want to come across to you now because we've discussed some of the headlines in the news right now. It feels like we're in a bit of a negative doom cycle. I mean, I say a cycle, it feels sometimes like the news is always negative, but when it comes to the current financial state of this country and of the world, mm -hmm. it seems like it's negative headline after negative headline. How is this impacting people's mentalities and mental health? Well, we've been, since like the 1960s, there's been some research into what we call the negativity bias. People respond more to negative news. Um, and what that does is it initiates our reactions, the fight or flight reaction, which many people have heard of. This will in turn initiate a hormone cortisol. That is a primal response. And what it was supposed to do is give you that burst of energy to either deal with the situation or remove yourself from it. And it's fantastic in the short term. But when it is prolonged, when we are perceiving a threat on a continued basis, it's actually quite counterproductive. It can affect your nervous system. It can affect your immune system. You become more susceptible to illness. And when you're ill, you tend to feel down. Whew. Feels like a lot of negativity in the world right now. But I think that we are going into the next section now, which hopefully we're going to share some tips, some more positive things. Yeah. So if you are listening, don't worry, it's uphill from here. <laughs> so there are so many reasons why it's important for people to save. Um, just to share a few of them off the top of my head, even you've got things like emergency funds that can help you when, you know, your personal emergency strikes. Yeah. You've got saving towards goals, specific goals, and generally towards your future. So many different reasons. But with that comes a lot of different options of where you can save your money. Uh, so instead of it being too overwhelming and then making no decision and putting your money in the worst place possible, uh, Iona, would you be happy to share a few options that our listeners have when it comes to saving their money? Sure, let's go on the little whistle-stop tour of the savings market. So first up, you've got easy access or instant access accounts. And these are the accounts that you should definitely be putting your emergency savings into because as the name suggests, it's easy access. You can grab that money when you need it. Now, you're not going to get the best possible interest rate on those accounts, but still, as we were saying before, now that interest rates generally are going up, you're finding better and better easy access accounts on the market. So I think they're a really good first port of call for anyone who's new to saving and just wants to build up around three months worth of outgoings in a savings pot that they can access just in case. Then you've got notice accounts. They're very similar to easy access accounts, but again, as the name suggests, this is when you give a bit of notice to your bank if you want to withdraw the money. So it could be 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, and then you can access the cash. 
And then you've got what I call lottery accounts. These are not as common, um, but the most famous one is, is one that lots of people will have heard of premium bonds. These are backed by the government completely because they're provided by the National Savings and Investments um, Savings Provider. And um, the thing about premium bonds is that they're not quite the same as other types of savings accounts. Um, you're basically putting your money into a prize draw every month with a chance of winning up to a million pounds. The chances of you winning that top prize are very, very slim, but you could win a lower value prize. And um, NSNI talks about a prize rate on its savings, and that's crept up above 4% now, so that's looking a lot more attractive, plus that money is easy access. Um, and then you're moving on to uh, regular savers accounts. This is what I call savings boot camp, because this is a savings product that only lasts a certain period of time, like a year, and you're encouraged to put quite a hefty chunk into the account over that year. But in return, you are getting a really good interest rate. So I like to think of this as the savings boot camp for people who really want to supercharge their pot for a goal like buying their own home. And then you're looking at fixed rate bonds if you want to lock up your money for longer to get a better savings rate. This option doesn't suit everyone because, you know, that money you can't access it for maybe a year, three years, five years. Uh, but nonetheless, that's when you might get the tastier interest rates because, you know, you're locking up your money. Um, and there's just one more example that I want to mention, which is kind of in a class of its own. And that's the individual savings account. Now, this is um, provided by the government. It's like a tax-free savings shelter for your money. You get ISA allowance every year, and there are different members of the ISA family. Um, and one that I want to highlight in particular that is relevant to young people is the Lifetime ISA. You can open it under the age of 40, and you can use it either to save towards your first home or retirement. Um, and you get up to £1,000 free from the government every year towards either of those goals. And the other thing about an ISA is that you can either put it in the bank um, and put that money in cash or you can put it in um, a stocks and shares ISA which involves you putting money in the stock market which comes with greater risks but also potentially greater rewards. So that's a kind of summary of the whole savings market. That was a proper whistle top still. I know. <laughs> whistle top, whistle stop. I definitely said that wrong. Wow, a lot of options. Mm. I think one thing that I want to come back to you about is when you're looking at all of these options online, you're seeing all these different bank names, you know, you've got the standard ones that we've all heard of, the big British banks, Barclays, HSBC, amongst others. And then these other names that are popping up, uh, to name a few, Chip, Crew, uh, Marcus, a whole range of names. There are more, so do go out and do your own research on this kind of stuff. How do I know which one is right for me if I've, for example, never even heard of the name of the bank offering such a good rate? That's an excellent question. The first thing I would highlight is that um, there is um, a scheme called the Financial Services Compensation Scheme. And this um, is designed to protect your money up to the value of £85,000 in the event that the bank that you're with goes bust. Now, that's extremely unlikely, but most people like to have that peace of mind. Now, the providers that you've just mentioned, um, chances are they will be covered under the FSCS. But if you're in any doubt, just go and check. And that way you've got peace of mind. And the other thing to bear in mind is that some of the um, brands that you mentioned there are potentially only available online. They don't have branches. You can't go and visit them on your high street. And that's not going to suit everybody. But I mean, I do a lot of my banking online these days. I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. And what I'm finding is that actually you do have to go online if you want to find the best deals. The high street banks 
generally speaking, have not been providing the best rates on their accounts, especially on easy access accounts. Whereas, you know, the online challenges that have come on stream in recent years, they're really kind of giving the banks a run for their money and they're really, you know, competing with them in, in that market and, and, and besting them when it comes to easy access rates. So yeah, don't be afraid to shop around to try and find the best deal. I feel like that resonates with me strongly. I actually don't remember the last time I stepped foot inside of a branch yeah. off the top of my head. Just, yeah, that's the way of the world at the moment. Absolutely. Paul, I feel like to a lot of listeners out there, we've just thrown a lot of information at them. We've given them not only the fact that there are so many different types of savings account, but there are so many different options of providers that will give them each of those types of savings account. So to you as a mental well-being expert, what would you say to someone who's now feeling anxious about how do I know which one's the right one? There are too many options. What do I do? Do I even do anything? And maybe they're getting, you know, analysis paralysis by the fact they're not going to make any decision because there are too many decisions. The first thing is slow down. We certainly with things like stress and anxiety, the it's, it's making your brain work overtime. It's wasting energy in the wrong direction. So by calming down, slowing down, doing the research, that's one way to assure yourself that you are moving in the right direction. The other things are, you know, look around you, maybe disconnect a bit. Because we've been talking about how the news affects us. It can apply to social media, that sort of thing. So if you take the time to remove yourself from that situation, put your phone down, don't look at the latest twi tw TikTok, Twitter, whatever. Mm. Just take some time, go back to nature, go outside. Things like get exercise, um, do meditation eat properly. These are things that can help you release the endorphins that counteract things like cortisol. So little tips like that, just take the time to be good to yourself. The other thing I just want to stress is things like anxiety and its best friend depression, they want you to think that they are bigger than you. When you are in a state, you are suffering from something like anxiety, or depression, it feels like it fills the entire world, that there's nothing left of you. But just remember, it is only a part of you. You are bigger than what you're going through. It may not feel like it, it's a very small part with a very loud voice. So taking the time, slowing down, giving yourself good consideration, being kind to yourself, doing these small things, they don't have to be large, world-changing changes that you would that completely revolutionize your life in one fell swoop one small step can be all it takes just to start that landslide going i love that point the one small step point with so many decisions out there just making one at a time is the right way to go about it in a world with far too many options when it comes yeah. to every category of thing so back to savings again I think another really good question to ask is, do you have three top tips when it comes to becoming a better saver? Yes, my first tip is budget better. So if you're not in control of your budget and if you don't know what you are spending your money on, you are not going to be able to identify ways to save money. It's like driving a car but having most of your front screen blacked out. You can't see where you're going and therefore you're not going to get to your destination. So remove 
the obstruction that's there by just getting on top of your budget, figuring out what budgeting technique works for you. Some people like using budgeting tools. Some people like using spreadsheets. Some people like doing it the old-fashioned way with pen and paper. Whatever works for you, so long as you stick to it and it gives you clarity about what you're spending your money on and gives you ideas about where you can cut back on your spending so you can put a little bit of money towards saving, that's a great first step. And in fact, it's the foundation of saving, really. If you're not on top of your budget, saving's gonna be really hard. But then also think about ways to make saving as easy as possible. So automating your savings could be a great option if you're new to saving. So there's um, something called Roundup Savings where, you know, say you go out and spend, I don't know, uh, three pounds on a coffee. That sounds quite cheap at the moment, actually. Let's <laughs> say four pounds, particularly nice coffee. Um, uh, well, say it's about three pound 90. Um, if you sign up for Roundup Savings, um, then your bank will actually take an extra 10p from your account on that purchase and put it into a savings pot. Now, 10p doesn't sound like a lot, but of course, if you're doing that on every single purchase that you're making over time, it does build up. And it's just a nice way to kickstart the savings habit without you having to think about it. Um, but if you're really serious about wanting to build up that savings in a short sp space of time, then pay your future self first. That's how I like to think of it. So once you get paid, just setting aside five or 10%, whatever you can afford, it doesn't have to be that exact amount, but five or 10% is a great, great start. And just putting that straight away into a savings account, Stat setting up a standing order so that that money goes into your savings account as soon as you get paid. Then you're not having to think about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's a case of thinking about, can I live on 90, 95% of my income? Some people can't. But, you know, quite a lot of people can if they are really smart about their spending. So that's how I make saving happen. It works for me. So, you know, give it a go. Those are three brilliant tips. And I think one thing you mentioned there was about, you know, percentages of savings, 5%, mm. 10% of your different account. There's so much pressure on young people nowadays. They're just being told, you know, save as much as you can. Yeah. And it's really, really hard, yeah, <laughs> especially really in the cost of living crisis. Is there an ideal amount that young people should be striving towards when it comes to saving money? I'm, I'm gonna be controversial here and say no. I really don't think um, it's helpful to talk about the absolute golden amount that you should save. Um, there is a very helpful, you know, commonly um, used budgeting ratio called the 50-30-20 rule, uh, whereby 50% of your income goes on essentials, 30% goes on the fun stuff in life, and 20% goes on your savings. This can be helpful, especially if you split up that 20% portion of the ratio and put 10% in your pension and 10% in easy access savings or towards a savings goal. But that's very much an ideal world. I meet a lot of young people now who are spending more than half of their income on essentials and therefore their ratios are looking more like 60, 30, 10 or maybe even 70, 30, nothing. And if that is you, again, coming back to what I was saying before, do not beat yourself up. That is very understandable and natural at the moment during this cost of living crisis. But it just gives you an idea of, of, of how you could organize your finances so you can make savings happen. And I provided some tips that might help people see a way forward and, and kind of think, ah, yeah, that, that maybe there are some ways for me to make my savings happen. I think that that was a really key. There is no set amount. No. But I think even if you get to that 20% mark, 
don't think to yourself like that is an incredible achievement absolutely that a lot of people struggle to do so if you think oh i'm just falling within that 50 30 20 rule it's not just it's well done like you're doing brilliantly and if you're saving anything at the moment you're taking a brilliant step towards your financial future so i think that it is really important for listeners to know that and i, I like that you said there is no set amount no just no. getting started is absolutely and building up as well you know if as i said before if you if you want to go straight for a really high amount then you're kind of setting yourself up to fail if you've never done saving before it's 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 not going to stick mm. whereas if you start off with you know five percent even less than that but you stick with it and then you increase the amount over time that's a far more sustainable healthy way to save no brilliant paul when it comes to the financial pressures of saving and the way they impact our mental well-being again looking let's say at peers who are saving more than you or peers that seem to be really comfortable uh, your friends are able to go out every other week but you just don't know where they're getting that money to do it. What would you say to people? How do they address that problem of constantly feeling under pressure to save more and more, mm. but also to keep up with spending? The trick here is to recognize you as an individual, that we spend our time looking at Instagram, at Twitter, whatever social media, whatever, whatever source we're using, and we're comparing ourselves to other people. And that is unrealistic. For one thing, we are looking at idealized versions. We know this logically that we are looking at Photoshop or whatever whatever's been used to make this look perfect. It isn't. These people are struggling in their own way in the background. We've got this fear of missing out. We see people living the life, going on the holidays, getting the car of your dreams. You think, why not me? And it can cascade into, I'm failing. It's a very easy step to go from looking what other people have to berating yourself. And that can just keep going. That, that idea that I am failing can keep spread out into other areas of your life. We call it catastrophizing, where I've made a small error here. And this again, this negative bias that we tend to have can make it fall out into where else am I going to go wrong? And, it can, and you start using extremely damaging self-language. So if you think about when you've made a mistake, it could be anything. And you call it, oh, you idiot. Or worse, I know I certainly use much worse. Think about, would you ever say that to somebody else? If they'd made a simple mistake, would you call them the same things you call yourself? The answer is most likely absolutely not. So why do you do it to yourself? Why are we not taking care of ourselves at the most intrinsic point? Because this is the basis, as far as I'm concerned, this is the basis of everything. If you do not have that good mental health, that good self-awareness, that, that self-care, mm. along with your mental health, your physical health or your financial health, these are the very roots, the very foundations we base everything off of. But things like mental health are often forgotten because they can't be seen, because we keep them secret. There's still very much a stigma about mental health, but we're not looking after it. If we can, if you have a more solid foundation, then you can look at someone else's success and say, great, one day I may achieve that. Or do you know what? That's not actually for me. I'm not going to run my, run my life or have the same objectives set by somebody else. You need to set your own objectives. A bit like with the savings, start with what you can and build yourself up into a program that works for you and isn't based on what someone else is telling you to do.
So we're now going to dive into a message that's been sent in about someone's saving scenario. Hi, I'm Alex, a 25-year-old accountant who from the outside might seem like I've got my life together. I'd say I've got a good job, a nice apartment, you know, the essentials. But really, I've been dealing with a few challenges that I'm finding a bit difficult. For context, when I was growing up, my parents often argued about money. We weren't exactly well off, and I saw firsthand how tough things can get. I think that left me with a fear of not being financially stable or comfortable enough to make ends meet. I've always been determined to never end up in the same situation, which has led me, be which has led me being quite successful in my career and financial planning. But over time, this drive seems to have morphed into unhealthy habits or decisions, which I could do with some advice on. Here it is broken down. Firstly, overworking. I've been taking on way more work than necessary, even working overtime just to make sure I have a steady income. Taking a break terrifies me as it might jeopardize my financial stability. Secondly, avoiding social situations. I've been distancing myself from friends and events that might involve spending money. I'm afraid that they'll judge me if I don't keep up a certain appearance or spend enough, or spend enough money on them. And then I get anxious about going, so I'd rather just stay at home. And lastly, anxiety and, anxiety and trouble sleeping. My mind constantly races with thoughts of worst case financial scenarios. This has led me to sleepless nights as I can't seem to turn off the worry, even though rationally I know I'm okay. So I've decided to reach out for some advice on the next steps and how to feel a bit better. Any help or advice would be great. And sorry, it was quite a long story. Story. Firstly, more, don't apologize. <laughs> the fact that you're asking for help is huge. It's something that people find so difficult. But I'm not the expert here, so I'm going to go straight to Paul. Could you share some advice for Alex? Certainly. Well, it's very easy for me to say you should do A, B or C. But the thing is, with any mental health journey, it's a very unique experience. No one is affected the same way by, by anxiety or depression as anybody else. It's always something slightly different or majorly different. But what I would say is to echo what you've just said, the first step has been taken, the difficult one, the small start by recognizing it, by being able to say, I have anxiety and reaching out, that's huge. Do not ever undermine just what an achievement that is. Because I think it was the last point that was made that feeling very, very drawn in on themselves, that they don't want to do socializing. Anxiety and depression, they want to isolate you. They want to make you feel that you are alone, that you are the only person in the world who could possibly be experiencing this sort of pain. Mm. You're not. And there are people who can help you work your way out of it. And this is another thing I think is very important to stress, is that the mental health journey is very much driven by you. You can speak with a counsellor or therapist of any kind, but you are still the one who's going to have to do the work. So being prepared for that is very important you are not going to be fixed by someone else. You have to do that. But making this first step, recognizing that you have an issue that can, that is trying to keep you locked in by opening up, letting someone else at least see the issue, see your problems, and asking for help is that first step. And there is help available. We can provide it at CABA. You can find sources online. Uh, Mind is a wonderful organization. Highly recommend having a look at what they've got available. But you've taken the first step. Mm -hmm. But what you've said, I hear so often in my role, none of this is new to me. It's not a new story. You are not alone. Iona, I'd love to hear if you've got any thoughts on this topic. Yeah, I'm, I'm not... Um 
you know, an expert in, in dealing with the, the specific mental health um, issues um, that, that Alex is struggling with at the moment. But um, I'm, I have some practical suggestions that might be helpful. I think just reaching out to your employer and um, explaining that you, you, you feel this way about overworking and the fear that you have around taking time off. You know, letting your employer know about that could be really helpful because then maybe your mind could be put at rest that actually you're doing an excellent job. You know, um, your employer will let you take time out because you need that time in order to um, recharge your batteries and, and have a break, which you deserve. And just getting a sense of actually, you know, where you stand with your employer rather than having it built up mm. in your head um, could be very helpful. And and likewise, speaking to your friends about your, your financial anxieties, that can be really, really terrifying. But actually, if they are your real friends, they will understand. And friendship should never come with a price tag. It doesn't matter whether you go out to the fanciest restaurant or the, the fanciest club on the weekend. You know, it's about the time that you spend with your friends. And if they um, want to spend time with you, then they're going to make that time for you. Um, but having said that, you know, just understanding actually how much money you do have to spend, coming back to the basics of budgeting, you know, knowing where your money is going, knowing how much is coming in and going out, that will give you clarity over your finances and help you understand actually. I'm doing okay, you know, and, I'm, and, and things aren't as bad as they seem. And I think, as you were saying before, Paul, we build these things up in our head, we catastrophize, and actually we just need to understand how our finances actually are. And the first step is to just take a look. And I find that most of the time things aren't nearly as bad as people think they are. So, yeah, just facing up to what your finances are actually like, often that will, will put your mind at rest about a lot of things. Amazing. And I think the last thing that I want to add again is to do with that budget. Mm -hmm. This episode is about saving and finding the right percentages to save, the right amounts, the right tactics. But along with a saving budget, you should have a spending budget. Yeah. Um, uh, an amount of money that you feel comfortable putting towards, you know, not your desire, not your wants, but your, sorry, not your needs, but your wants. Yeah. It's so important to have that so that you don't feel pressure on yourself every single month to think, oh, but that money could be going towards saving. No, you know how much you've got for saving. You know how much you've got for spending so you can enjoy the life that you're living at the age that you are. Yeah. And it doesn't all have to be towards your future. And I think the last thing to say is, if you are listening to this episode and you feel like sharing your story, if you found Alex's story helpful and you want to share your own, for us to discuss on the next episode or in a future episode, then please do send them into Cabba and we will hopefully discuss it and share some advice to you too. At Cabba, you guys have loads of resources and pieces of content to help out ICAEW chartered accountants, as well as ACA students. Could you share a little bit more about the resources that you guys have available? Absolutely, delighted to. Um, what we try to do at Cabba, we're here to support members of the ICAEW and their families. We have a very non-judgmental approach. We, uh, we, we find that people often feel quite ashamed or nervous about coming to us for financial help or mental mental health help there's none of that we're all very dedicated to providing that support and it, it's genuinely a privilege to do so so we can have offer direct support we have experts in-house on debt on benefits on carers um, we can set you up with some therapy we can connect you with a career coach we have online resources we have some blogs uh, available about financial anxiety amongst other things we do have 
tools aimed at saving. So we have a 50-30-20 tool, we have a savings calculator, we have budget planners, we have all sorts of things around um, advising on benefits. We've got so much. The thing I would say, the easiest way to put it, is if you're not sure, ask us. You'd be amazed at what we can do. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. We've had a really great conversation around savings. So many things have been discussed from where to find the best types of accounts, all of the different types of accounts, how to make those decisions, but also to flip that over to the other side about your mental well-being when it comes to savings and the fact that there is so much out there, so much pressure, but there are so many practical ways that you can go about solving those solutions for you, whether that whether that's through the help of using the resources that Kaba have or looking elsewhere, there's plenty out there. And finally, if you did enjoy this episode of The Cash Conversation, be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more financial tips and insights and share this episode with someone who you think might benefit from learning a little bit more about savings. And lastly, stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking all things debt and how to tackle it. See you next time.